So Money episode 806, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, Parisa Stewart. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. It's Friday, November 9th, 2018. How is everybody doing? We have a really incredible show for you starting next week. Every week is, I hope, incredible as you would describe it, incredible. But I'm really looking forward to next week. We've got two guests on that. Uh, One, David Nagel on Monday, who almost died and survived and is now helping many people uh, take a a deeper look at their lives, understand why they are worth more than they think and go out there and make the money. And he's got some really incredible strategies around how we can go out there and enhance our financial lives through earning more, which you know is is very much a passion of mine. And then on Wednesday, November 14th, stay tuned for Dan Shabell. And he has an important book out looking at the workplace culture. And you know, a lot of us work from home right now. And even if we do work in a corporation or at an office, there you may feel sometimes like you're not connecting with your colleagues. You're not really connecting with the values that are at work. And so he is actually a recurring guest on this show and a friend. He's been on this, show, this podcast before. He's a millennial and workplace expert, uh, but he's got a new book out and we're going to explore all the things that he's discovered about the future of work. And he and I are actually doing an event together along with uh, the star of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York, Ryan Serhant, at the 92nd Street Y on November 26th at 7 o'clock. It's an intimate event, 100 people. Tickets are – a few of them are still left. So if you go to 92y.org – you can purchase it and we can hang out. How about that? I just wanted to give you some of those updates and things to look forward to on the podcast. Also really excited to introduce to you our co-host today. She is a listener from day one. And if you remember, I said earlier, this is episode 806. (laughs) So she deserves a gold medal for staying with the show for all of those episodes. Her name is Parisa Stewart. And before I bring her on, I want to brag about her for a little bit. She's a millennial, 27-year-old woman. She has a corporate job in the mortgage industry. She hails from Houston, Texas. She worked all throughout college and graduated with zero in student loans. And for that, I think she gets deserves another medal. She also has a passion for real estate. Her forte is real estate, she says, as well as overall financial planning and budgeting, career, retirement. So 27 years old and that interested in money, I think is incredible. And so I look forward to sharing the mic with her as we go through your money questions today. Parisa, welcome to So Money. Hi, Arnoud. <laughs> Can I believe you've been with us since episode one? Can I even ask you what is your favorite episode or what what was it that got you hooked? Honestly, I think the reason I was so drawn to you was really your I 
and this is I was I'm like such a huge super fan. This is so ridiculous. But I remember you even from like your Yahoo days. Like I remember Yahoo used to be my homepage on whatever, like on my internet browser, <laughs> like a long time ago. And I think you would do like financial, just like little like mm-hmm. money videos and segments and stuff on Yahoo. And I just remember you from that. And I think that's, you know, the new, the name was familiar to me. <laughs> that little show was three years of my life. It was called Financially Fit. Uh, it was an incredible journey. I felt like by the end, we had been on this crusade of helping people with their money. We were traveling the country, meeting really interesting people. Yes, it was a lot of like, you know, three tips for this or four ways to do that. But I think the, the opportunities that it gave me as a reporter, as an expert, as someone who really cares deeply about money was unparalleled. I have yet to replicate that experience. I'm so grateful for it. And it was the kind of thing where, yeah, I mean, Talk about exposure, Yahoo. A lot of our shows would air on the homepage of Yahoo, although it was a a staple over at Yahoo Finance. And I mean, I remember one day I walked out of my favorite Mexican restaurant on the Upper West Side and I hear, Farnoosh Tarabi? (laughs) And I'm like, what? Is this someone I used to work with? I don't, I mean, I'm not used to getting recognized at this point on the street. And this guy says, uh, and I remind you, at my favorite Mexican restaurant. So kind of like, it was the perfect day. I was like, I just had a great meal. I'm at my favorite restaurant. I had a delicious margarita. And now I'm walking out. And now I'm being recognized. And this gentleman came up to me with his wife and their baby. And they were like, we love your show, Financially Fit. You know, it's so great. It's so great to see you in person. I'm like, people actually watch this thing. So I really appreciate that. You know, it's always nice to know that people are recognizing your work, even if it was years ago. Oh, yeah. And also with your, I guess your most recent book, When She Makes More, mm-hmm. that one was introduced into my life by my mom. She's also a huge fan. We're just that you're, you the are whole family, the family, right? Next awesome. time, just bring, we'll just yes. do a whole, a whole family show. How about that? Uh, but yeah, you wrote yes. to me talking about how much your mother is a fan of this show. You're half Iranian. I'm 100% Iranian and your mom's Iranian. And, and I think that was maybe part of the draw, but I really love that she was such a positive and still is a very positive financial influence on you. I think that's something that we often, um, don't recognize enough is that mothers, I have read, do more to influence their children, particularly their daughters, when it comes to our relationship with money. And uh, tell us a little about your mom, because she sounds like a rock star. Yeah, definitely. My mom came to this country in like the late 80s, you know, and, and she came here. She went to university down here. She got her bachelor's in engineering, master's in counseling. She's actually a teacher. She's the OG She's hustler. The OG. she's amazing I love it she has been working yes I oh my god she's amazing she has had a business mind ever since I could remember I remember I was in daycare I would shave pencils and color them with gel pens and everybody thought it was so cool and people were like oh my gosh Parisa make me one make me one and my mom was the one who taught me how to make a business (laughs) happen she was like all right, let's go to Target. We're going to get you some pencils. We're going to start selling these to the kids at school. And we're going to like, 
she like instilled that entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. Seriously. I mean, she's always, she's always been very entrepreneurial herself. You know, she's worked two jobs as long as I can remember. At first, it was, you know, during the downturn of the economy, she was helping out the household. For her, she really honestly just loves it. She's looking forward to the day, you know, when she retires from teaching to be able to to work part-time doing what she loves. Shout um, out to mom. <laughs> yeah, she reminds me of my mom. She reminds me of a lot of... um Iranian people that I admire in my life. And I don't want to say it's just a cultural thing, but I do think it's an immigrant mentality, whether you're from Iran or anywhere, any part of the world, you come here and you're like, I'm here, I made it, right? I'm not going to just like sit on my butt. And we are eager, you know, we're eager to apply ourselves and to soak it all up because uh, every day is a gift, you know, that we were able to leave and leave successfully and come here and be accepted. So um, um, that warms my heart. I'm really excited to hear from you and uh, let's hear more about you. So I did a little bit of a descriptor, you know, 27. I'm going to get you a date. I'm like, she's 27. She works in in mortgage industry. She's from Houston. She's a Sagittarius. No, I don't know what you are. But um, <laughs> what what has made you so fascinated with real estate? Is that also part of your Persian DNA maybe? Because the Persians love real estate. I know, right? You know, that's a good question, actually. I think it was all by chance. I used to work in wealth management, actually. And then I was laid off from my last job for my job in wealth management. And while I was applying for other jobs, I was looking for something similar to what I was doing before. And I had an interview that went really, really well. But our, at the time, I was still in school. And of course, you know, timing, it just didn't, it didn't line up or it, it didn't really didn't work out like that. But the guy who had interviewed me set me up with a recruiter and he was, you know, he was like, you know, we really like you. We do see success in your future. Just kind of reach out to this contact and, and hopefully, hopefully you can find it something that's a good fit. It happened to be a recruiter in real estate finance. And I never put the two and two together. Like I I've always loved finance. I've always loved real estate, but I've always just done it separately. And then I kind of got my foot in the door with a, uh, a mortgage lending company working in the appraisals department from there, it just kind of blossomed. It's like the beginning of a love story. <laughs> I went and got my real estate license. I haven't started yet, but my goal is to invest in real estate and and hopefully move into the multifamily, get into get into that space. To be a landlord. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Do you think you have the, uh, <laughs> I don't know, The it takes a lot to become a landlord, right? It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of emotional work as well as physical work. Are you ready for it? You know, I have a lot of, but my parents have actually invested and they they have a couple of uh, single families. They did it long distance. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I learned, I feel like I learned a lot from my parents' mistakes, but also their triumphs. It has its ups and downs, but I think I've got it in me. I Okay. <laughs> I trust that. I trust so, yeah. that a lot. All right. <laughs> you are going to help us out so much. I feel it. So we have a bunch of questions that came through on Instagram as well as our site, somoneypodcast.com. And just a reminder to everybody, if you want to send in your question for this show, you can do it via Instagram. Just direct message me there. Follow me and then direct message me so that I can see your note. And then if 
that doesn't work for you, you could also go to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. And there you can also leave an, a voicemail. So sometimes we like to air our listeners' voices, which I love because I love to hear your voices and kind of imagine, you know, I don't know, that you're actually here with us. There's also other ways to Facebook, you know, goodness, if you see me on the street, like, I don't know, pass me a note. There's a lot of ways we can get your questions on the show, but Instagram and the website are pretty much the two biggest funnels. And this first question, Parisa, comes from Krist N, Instagram's K-R-I-S-T space E-N-N. How much should I have in savings as a 21-year-old moving to New York City? And then her second question is that she's used about 45% of her credit line. And unfortunately, when she did that, her credit got checked the same day and it knocked her credit score down about 50 points. Will I be able to recover from that? She's asking. And uh, she has since paid off the card completely. So that's good. But uh, what do you think about her first question? What, what, what did you have saved at 21? Although you were living in Texas, imagine you're moving to New York. And I live here, so I'll be the judge of it. But what do you think you need coming to New York? It's the most expensive city, maybe next compared to San Francisco. Maybe they're, you know, on par. I can't even imagine because I, I mean, I've never actually I've never been to New York, <laughs> but really, um, yeah, I've never been. I would love to when I have some family out there too. I need to, I need to make a trip. I'm going to make a trip out there. Um, I'd love to see some of your standup. <laughs> When I go, oh, yes, I'll, for uh, sure. There'll be, there'll be more. But no, for myself here in Texas, I live on my own. I feel comfortable with like a $10,000 cushion. So I think if I were to train, translate that into New York dollars, I would honestly think to my, I don't know, maybe I'm like, this is too much, but I would feel comfortable if I had $30,000 on the side as like my emergency fund slash cushion slash, well, you know, whatever. How, how did I do? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that I would just layer on top of that. I would remind anyone moving to New York City who plans to rent here. And this is probably true of most cities. But because rent here is so high, you want to really, really be prepared for this is that a lot of landlords will require first and last month's rent plus a security deposit. Plus sometimes if you used a broker, you pay a broker's fee, which is like oh, wow. it could be five figures by the end of the day. It's like you're putting a down payment on a mortgage, but it's just to rent up, you know, a studio. So I would just um, measure that as well before you move here. And that's not some. I'm not saying everyone has to do that, or that's what's required of all rentals. But if you're not prepared and you don't do research, you could end up stuck paying a broker's fee and, you know, not being able to uh, find a place that is within your budget. If you're moving here quickly, time sometimes can put a pressure on that. Um, so that's that. And then I wouldn't say like you need a huge savings account uh, as far as a rainy day savings account. Look, the more money, the better. But I don't want to say you have to have a year's worth of savings or even, you know, maybe six to nine months as I typically say as a general advice. I think in New York, if you're 21 and you've got a college degree and you are a go-getter, uh, it wouldn't probably take you much time to find paid work like that you like uh, in your industry. We have so much representation here across all the industries. 
particularly things like media, finance, and the arts. And so if you were interested in those fields, you'd probably find something fast. I don't suspect you'd be unemployed for very long is what I'm trying to say. So you don't need to have this like year's worth of savings, but don't let that stop you. (laughs) Um, If you really want to come here and, and live it up and live securely, I think the more money you have, the better for sure. So Good luck to you, Kristen. Excited for your move. I moved here when I was also around your age and I lived with a married couple. Uh, yeah, paid $550 a month in rent because I rented a room in their apartment. It had its own bathroom. Thank God. And it was also, you know, a rent controlled building. So that's why it only cost me 550 bucks. But I tell you, I had that on my list when I came to New York to visit these, you know, homes to these apartments to decide where I was going to live. And it was the last on the list because I assumed it was going to be a scary place. You know, like what? Because most places were going for 1200 a month for a tiny, you know, 300 square foot room where you're bathing next to your stove and not necessarily a safe building or safe neighborhood. And so I was like, gosh, this is going to be even more terrifying. How could it possibly be a, a good deal? And I got there at the last minute. I was about to leave the city. I was like, let's, let's, let's check this place out. And it checked off all the boxes, you know, and, and then some, and, you know, it was a steal for what I was getting. So I ended up living there for about two years and really getting ahead financially. Um, So I always say, don't discount anything until you go there and see it because there are some real steals here in the city. And it's going to be a matter of just building out your network, talking to everybody you know, letting them know you're coming here, you're interested in living here, keeping an eye out for you. A lot of these apartments that are attractively priced they go quickly and they also go on the market like at the last minute. So you got to be flexible. The more nimble you can be, I think the like more better, the more likelihood that you'll find something that's within your budget. So good luck. Sharon is now writing to us on the website, somoneypodcast.com, Parisa, and she wants to know, I like this question a lot. Do you have any tips or advice for women who are starting to invest and learning about money late, like in their 40s? She says, I read everywhere that I need to start young. Um, Unfortunately, now until now that I'm in my 40s, I haven't started. Uh, I know it's better late than never, but I also feel like I've missed out on so much, she says. What do you suggest I do? Uh, P.S. She does have a lot of fundamentals in place. She's got index funds. She has insurance. She has funds for her kids' college. But she does have a lot of debt from a failed business. So she's looking for any and all advice. I, I would say if you've got access to an IRA, Roth IRA already, you should double down on that. Make sure you're maxing out those IRAs. And if you're self-employed, sounds like she might be self-employed because she talks about a failing, a failed business. Um, I have a SEP IRA, which is great. It lets you invest in as much as over $50,000 a year if you wanted to. So if you really want to play some catch up and get in the market in sort of these tax sheltered ways, tax advantaged ways, rather, um, a SEP IRA might be a great way. A SEP IRA works like a traditional IRA in that the contribution can be tax deductible from your income, and then you save money on taxes. Uh, and you can also invest far more than a traditional IRA. You can invest, like I said, over $50,000 this year. So look into that. Maybe that'll be some a one way to kind of play some catch up. 
If you're not self-employed and you work for an employer, I would say definitely, you know, take advantage of that 401k, especially to the point where you can maybe bank on some of a company match if that exists, because that's a bit of free money for you. And index funds are great. I like that she's already gotten um, into that. I mean, at this point, I think Parisa, it's really just about investing more than the average yeah, person in her 40s who's been investing since she was 20. Typically, we say 10% of your income is fine. But if you're just starting at 40, I think it's more like 25%, 20% for a while till you feel like you're on target. Definitely. I would also say she does mention she's still in a lot of debt. It makes such a huge difference. Just to come up with a plan on how you can pay down as that debt as as soon as possible. Because once you have your income no longer going out to the debt, to these creditors or banks or credit cards or whatever the debt may be, that means that you have more income coming into your pocket and you have more money that you can invest. It really makes such a huge difference. Automatically contribute as much as you can where you're not you know, necessarily slowing down your debt repayment. Maybe try to do both at the same time, but to the best of your ability. And once the debt is gone, pretend it's still there. And rather than put money towards the debt, throw that on top of the investment dollars that you were uh, putting away and just and stick with it. And then use calculators to figure out if you're on track or not. There's a choose to save.org uh, is one way to crunch numbers. I like their site. And then also aarp.org uh, has a ton of calculators. Bankrate.com has a ton of calculators. NerdWallet has calculators. Just Google retirement calculator and you'll bet you're, you'll find tons and maybe try a few. Work backwards and see actually what you need to do because I can sit here and Parisa can sit here and say, max this out, double up here, lean into this. But you are the one who's going to know better than anyone else what your retirement will command. When you want to retire, where you're going to live, how's it going to look like, what kinds of, you know, financial obligations will you have? Where are you today? How much have you saved? What's the deficit? And so how do you fill that up? And so you can arrive and catch up and arrive uh, where you need to arrive. So good luck to you, Sharon. Thanks for writing in on the website. And we have time for one more question, Parisa. Clancy Morgan on Instagram. Clancy Morgan, thank you for writing in. Says, I love the podcast and I have a question. I'm starting a new job, which has a 3% 401k match. It's pretty good. A lot of companies have 0% 401k match. So that's that's something. <laughs> he says, I believe it's a he, maybe it's a she. I'm not going to guess, but he, she says, I will definitely be contributing to that. Great. But does it make sense to also contribute to a Roth IRA? Would my money grow more if I just put everything into the same account instead of splitting up my investment? And uh, thanks again for all the help uh, from your podcast. I have a thought about this. I mean, if it's if it's that you're looking at a 401k and a Roth IRA, I like that combination. And it's not because I think that the combination is going to get you more money down the road with the way that the money's being invested. It's this. It's that the 401k gives you a particular tax benefit, right? Which is that today you'll save on your taxes. The contribution is deductible from your taxable income today. Down the road, when you withdraw the money, you pay taxes on it. Um, the Roth IRA has a future tax benefit, right? It's the opposite. So you contribute to the Roth IRA and in retirement, those withdrawals are tax-free. 
And I'm a big fan of diversifying your tax exposure in retirement. You don't really know where tax laws are headed. We could, a lot of us could guess they're just going to get higher, uh, but we don't know. And then you don't know what your income is going to be in retirement um, or, or the age that you want to withdraw from your retirement accounts and what kind of uh, tax exposure you'll have. So diversification helps to mitigate risk. And it's something that I see others advise as well. And I do this for myself. I have a Roth IRA. I can't contribute to it anymore, but you know, I have it and it's the money's growing. But I have also other vehicles too that have different tax exposures so that I can arrive with some balance with a balanced act of portfolios. He's asking or she's asking, is it going to earn me more money to do this versus that? That's anyone's guess. I, I don't think that we could definitively say yes or no to that. But we do know that when you have a Roth IRA over here and a traditional 401k over here, that what, what you will end up with in retirement is a little bit of uh, diversification for um, your tax exposure, which I think is a good thing. Ultimately, what do you think, Parisa? I have both myself. I have a 401k with the company that I work with, and I have a Roth IRA that I've been contributing to for uh, a good while now. I try to max out my Roth as much as I can because I actually I have full control over the funds that go into it. You know, I can look at things like the expense ratio. I can look at the holdings in it. You have more options when it comes to a Roth IRA. It's your own personal account. Whereas usually with a 401k, I guess they just kind of give you like a list of funds to choose from. And they're not always the greatest selection. Like I have like 20 funds to choose from in my my 401k. And some of them have really high fees. Thank you for bringing that up because it's not always going to happen. Sometimes people love their 401ks because they love the access to the different options that that particular plan provides, but some others may find it really limiting. And so the advantage to going to like an IRA of any sort, traditional Roth, is that you have access to virtually anything. And that gives people the sense of more freedom and more license to choose the investments that are in some ways more aligned with their values or are more affordable or just have better track records. Great point. All right. I feel like we've got, we've done some pretty good work here. We've helped a lot of people, Clancy Morgan, Sharon, Kristen, lean back. I really appreciate you guys and gals writing in. I hope that Parisa and I have been helpful. If we missed anything, if you want to follow up with us, we love the follow-up stories. Like, let me know. We give this advice and it kind of goes into the ether, but would really make my day if I heard back from you. Even if, you know, you did a different thing, if you took a different direction, I do like to know how uh, you're doing because I care about you. I do. Um, you can tell me on Instagram. You can find me on the website. You could uh, email me, farnoosh at farnoosh.tv, just like Parisa did, to connect with me and become a co-host. Still looking for those helpful people out there who want to co-host with me. Don't be shy. Let me know. And Parisa, I'm so excited for you. I love having smart, go-getting, vibrant women in the audience like you. Thank you for reminding me of why I do what I do, and I really appreciate that. Thank you for what you do because you are an amazing influence in my life. I Your podcast brings me such joy and so much knowledge. <laughs> so oh. I am immediately smarter because of it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to take all the credit. Uh, I'll take a little credit, not all of it. And um, truly, thank you. And, and best wishes to your mom. 
Uh, you raised an amazing daughter and the two of you sound like an incredible team. I think you guys need to go into business together. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Don't give her any of these. Come on. I'll just take 10%. That's it. It's all I'm asking. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend. And everybody, I hope your weekend is so money. 